And welcome to Ray Mahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I am so happy you're joining me on jrootradio.com, on your apps, on your phones, online. For those of you who are new listeners, here's what we do. We try to learn and develop new skills and tools to renew and strengthen the connection with you have, which you have with your spouse. Is that important? I'm asking you. Do you think that's important? Oh, boy, I think it's like one of the most important things there is out there. We do this not only from a social science perspective, but we use the Torah as our guide and source of navigation. This is a live show, August 31st, 2017. Yes, I'm live today. Baruch Hashem. Hod Hashem Kitov We are back. We are live we are getting f- ready for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Yom Neirah, Sukkot. Could you imagine the summer's over? I- I'm just thinking to myself, it- it- time. If they say time flies, I, I think it like goes faster than flies. Time it- is just like boom. It's like gone. We're already holding Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur already. This is where we're holding. Summer is over. Hope you all, all my listeners. Hope you had a wonderful summer. Hope you had a. Hope you had a break. You know, honestly, I hope you had a little break. Some of you listening to me are thinking, Brad, I wish I would have a break. But maybe you had some sort of break. Any sort of break is always good. It's important to have breaks. And I hope that break that you had, you had with your spouse. I hope you had spent some quality time taking a break with your spouse because it's so important. It's so important. Why is it important? Let me tell you why it's important. It's important for you because it'll help. It In order, you know... How do I say this? Every once in a while, we got to turn the computer off, let it let it be off for a while, and then turn it back on. And then we can reboot. And when we reboot, it sort of fixes a lot of things. Just taking that break, just taking some time and spending it with your husband and with your wife, just taking a little vacation. It doesn't have to be big. You know, people think, oh, I can't afford to go to... Uh, these people go to Aristotle for, 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 for the summer, for Sukkis. I can't afford to do that. Okay, it's okay. That's fine. Take a little break. A couple of days off. A couple of days off with your spouse. Gentlemen, I'm really talking to you. If you haven't done this, oh boy, I don't even know if we have any more time to do this because schools are starting. Everything is starting now. But that break is so important. For those of you who have taken that break, you might be thinking to yourself, ah, I did, but I totally forgot about it. Now, right now, I'm so back into things right now. Like, I, I don't even remember that I took a break. I could use another break right now. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's really, really worth it. Okay, today, what we're going to do is we are going to sort of take a couple of steps back. That's what I'm doing today. I'm taking a couple of steps back. This is a new season of our shows. And I want to take a couple of steps back. Some of this is, is going to be Hazar for some of you. Some of this is going to be new f- for some of you. But I think all of us, including myself, are going to learn from today's show. It's a very, very, very important show. I want to lay out some basics that I know we discussed in the past, but it's always good to review and add some. Add some meaning is life is a constant learning process. It says, Mikol Milamdai Hiskalti, which means... From all the ones who teach me, I became smart. And you're constantly learning. You're constantly learning. I tell myself, Baruch Hashem, I'm to work with couples, right? So I'm constantly learning. As I'm working with people, as I'm working with couples, you're just like, by the way, the same way there's no two faces that are the same, there are no two relationships that are the same. Even though I talk on, you know, I speak here, J Radio, I talk to you about a lot of skills and tools. And the truth is, Yes, the skills and tools that I speak about, I think, I think, I, I hope, have siyat shmaya, and they're very, very useful in, in every marriage. No question about it. Skills and tools, at least in every marriage. But what? There's no marriage that's the same, meaning because people are different. Everybody's got different types. You know, a little variation to certain needs. So I speak about certain needs, but there are variations of those needs. For example, I'll give you an example, right? Um, let's talk about appreciation, right? For example, appreciation. We know how important appreciation is, a car stove, we speak about it all the time. But do you know that there are ladies who who enjoy it when their husbands compliment them on the food? They'll say, oh, you know what? This chicken is delicious. 
Thank you for making the gefilte fish. Thank you for making the kibet. It's so delicious. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. It's delicious. Thank you. People, a lot of women like hearing that word from the husband. It's delicious. Such a delicious supper. Thank you so much. But a lot of ladies, doesn't speak to them. Doesn't speak to them delicious. Okay, thank you, delicious. How does that make a difference for me? Great. I'm happy that it came out good. There are ladies don't like that. What they actually like is to hear from their husband something like, thank you so much for making the food. Thank you for spending time cooking. It must have been really hard for you. That's what rings their bell. That's what talks to them. So there are these little variations. That's why I say no marriage is the same. So definitely there are love languages in every relationship, and a lot of them are very, very similar, but there are a lot of variations. I'm talking about this now. The reason I'm talking about this now is because I'm really, really trying to, to I'm coming to, I, I hope, I hope, what's the end of putting together my workshop on audio and on paper. It's going to be a workshop, interactive. It, it, it's really more than a chock full of nuts. Bez Hashem, it's going to be amazing. And, and, and part of what I do there as I'm doing this is, is realizing and having you realize that, um, you know, n- even though there are themes in marriage, every, you know, every couple, there are certain things that are, that are pivotal. Like I speak about quality time, right? Quality time. I have not yet met a marriage where quality time is not important. It's just like not shy. It's not possible. If you don't have quality time in your marriage, you're not basically – by the way, men, I'm not really talking to you now. I'm talking mostly to the ladies because the ladies really need it much more than you. Though there are men, I know. There are men who are into this also. But the ladies – um, without quality time, like it's not a marriage. It's not a marriage. There are people who are married and you know, they live together. I call them roommates, but there's really no connection. Why? Because they're not spending quality time. Oh, but they're talking on the supper table about the kids, about things they have to do. And so, you know, some people they think that quality time means that you go out, you walk with your wife, and you speak to her about all your problems, and you talk to her about all the things that have to be done in the house. All the financial issues, all the all the responsibilities, and this, by the way, goes through for both men and women. I'm telling you, there there are also women who what they do is they take walks with their husbands, and instead of like sharing with their husbands about their day, about their life, about their emotions, about what's going on, what they do is they talk about things that have to be done. Though I honestly see it much more by men than by women. I do. And people think this is quality time. That's not quality time at all. I would, that's not even a variation. <laughs> that's not quality time. But what I'm saying to you is that, it, it, is that quality time is something that everybody needs. You, you have to have that in your, in your marriage. If you don't have quality time in your marriage, you, you're not charging your wife's battery. It, it's it's going to basically be like on these default lows. The same way your phone starts beeping and going haywire when the battery is low and all sorts of signals come up and these warning lights come up, that's what's going to happen in your marriage. And then you're going to hear from your wife. You're going to hear her complain about this, about that, and the other thing. And, and really what's going on, she might not even realize it herself. She doesn't feel connected. She doesn't feel cared for. She doesn't feel special. Doesn't, you're not filling up her battery, and then this is what's happening. So, of course, I... I, I Baruch Hashem, I include that in the workshop as well. But what I'm saying here is that there are still variations. There are variations. Some couples like spending vacations in certain places. Okay. Other people would never go to those places. Some people like action, like doing things. Other, other couples, no, they don't want to do anything. So there is a difference. There is a difference between men and women, for sure. Um, generally, when, women, when a woman goes on vacation with her husband, generally there are exceptions, and you might be the exception, you who's listening to me right now. Generally, when a woman goes on vacation, she wants to relax. She wants to take it easy, and she wants to connect with her husband. That's the purpose of the vacation. And the men, they might want to do that also. It's important, but they also want to do something. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What, um, you know, what's there to do? Are there, yeah, there are women who like doing things also. So there is that variation. Then there are couples who, you know, they'll like going to a scenic place. And there are couples that are not into scenery. We're into other things. Okay, that, those are variations. So the themes are the same, but there are variations. And it's important to know that there are variations and what makes your 
friend happy doesn't necessarily make you happy. Exactly. You know, to, to the nuance. Because, you know, same way we, when we eat stuff, right? Everybody needs to eat, right? We all have the need to eat, but we don't all like the same food. Okay, so what, what I want to do now is take a couple of steps back. And now what I want to do, and by the way, thank you for listening. It's not easy to listen to us t- today um, in JRoot so, because, you know, you got to find the app. You got you to gotta, you gotta call the phone. You got other things to do, and you're doing it. So call a vote to you. This means to me that your marriage must be really important to you. Okay, so the question that I have today, because we're starting a new season, because we're right before Yom and Ram, because we really hope to have a really good year. When I say a good year, by the way, you want to have a good year this year, right? Don't you want to have a good year? Don't you want to have a really nice year? Well, guess what? You're not going to have a good year unless you have Shalom Bayis. It's not Shaya. It's not possible. First of all, first of all, if you don't have Shalom in your house, what's going to happen? See, marriage is one of those things like nuclear. It, it, either it works like amazing or it's like really horrible. There's really no middle point in marriage. And for those of you who think like there's a middle, oh, I see this couple, they really don't have a connection. It's, they're burning up on the inside. There's nothing. They're distracting themselves. Most of what they're doing all day is distracting themselves. They can't think about life because at the end of the day, they're so separated. They feel so emotionally separated from their husbands or from their wives. So they don't have shalom. They don't have that connection. They don't have that unity. They don't have kedusha. Kedusha. That's what it is. Kedusha. Why do you think it's called kedushin? They don't have kedusha. They don't have kedushin. So, to have a good year, to have a successful year, and 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 here we are, Yom Naraim, right? Everything's going to be decided. So, in order to have that, what we're saying is that you have to have shalom bias. You just got to have shalom bias in your house. So, in order to have shalom bias, let's take a couple of steps back and ask ourselves, why is it? Forget about me, you, who's listening to me right now, but why does? Why does Hashem want us to get married? Well, why Akadosh Baruch Why does He want us to get married? Is it just like everybody wants to get married? I mean, like we know how important it is. We know, let people talk about the shidduch crisis, right? Major, major issue, shidduch crisis, and it is why because people can't, right? Have girls are having problem, let's say, uh, finding the right shidduch, right? It's a big problem, big, big, big problem. Is it really a big problem? Well, yeah. You can't get married. Why would you want to get married? What's so important? I mean, okay, you want a friend? You want this? You want... What's the purpose? What's the... So why does Shem want us to get married? You know, when I asked this question, and I asked this um, in, uh, com- in conferences and, uh, and classes, etc., I, so I asked the audience, why does Hashem want us to get married? What's the purpose of marriage? Hashem, I'm asking you, why does Hashem want you to get married? What's the purpose? Well, what are you saying? What are you answering? What did you just say? Did you just say for Puru Did you just say to have children? Is that the reason? The first myths of the Torah? That's the reason Hashem wants us to get married? Is, is that really what it is? One second. If that's the reason that Hashem wants us to get married, then we could just have children, and then, I guess, you know, if things don't work out, whatever, get divorced. I mean, you know, whatever. Oh, because kids have to live together with the parents? So what if people don't have children? Should they get divorced? What if, what if the children are married? You you raise the children. Jobs over. Boom. Now okay. So now now you can really redecide if you if you want to stay together or not, right? Because the whole purpose is approval. So it can't be just approval, right? It, it it could be part, but it can't just be approval. Okay. So wh- why does Hashem want us to get married? So you know, other people tell me. Maybe you said this because this way. I have a friend. I, I want to be close to someone. I want to feel like someone cares about me. Okay, that's very interesting, but it doesn't always work out that way. In the beginning, when you first got married, it was wonderful. I'm sure it was wonderful. Then, you know, otherwise, why did you get married? But many times, many times, it doesn't work out. The friendship is like you feel far and separated from each other. Does that mean that you just have to, you know, forget it's not working out. Let's just forget about it. It's not working out. It's not working out. You know, maybe we'll find someone else. You know, I, I, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Unfortunately, there are many couples who feel this way. What I just said, and I'm saying this rhetorically, there are many couples who take that seriously. When they actually say to each other, you know, things are not working out. We feel we don't feel close anymore. It's not happening. You know, eh, it's not. And unfortunately, there's a lot of divorces out today. A lot, a lot of divorces because 
because of just there's no connection. There's no connection, so we might as well move on. Now, in the secular world, unfortunately, in many cases, this is normal. The marriage is not working out. Forget it. Let's go find some. Yeah. That that's that's the secular world. When I say secular, it could be, you know, non-Jewish. It could be it, it could be secular Jewish, <laughs> and that's what it is. So is that what marriage is all about? This for friendship? Is that what it is? I mean, there are many reasons. You know, we can say what what's the purpose of marriage? Well, I, I want to tell you something, and and, I, and I'm happy you're listening today because we're really going to put this in a structured way for you to understand that Hash, when Hashem gave us marriage, what Hashem really is doing, Hashem gave us a gift. Marriage is a gift. It's it's a beautiful thing, but it's a gift to us. And the purpose of marriage, the goal of marriage, what Hashem wants us to do in marriage, I say, I don't really say this, I'm standing on shoulders of giants, is there's one objective and two goals. What's the objective? The objective of marriage is simple. Al Ken Yazov Ish Es Aviv Ves Imoy Vedavak Beishto. Which means as follows. This is what the, the Torah tells us. So let's forget about what we want. Let's talk about what Hashem wants. Therefore, a man will leave his father and his mother and he will cleave to his wife and they will become one flesh. That is the objective of marriage. To what? To become one flesh. What does that mean, one flesh? What does that mean, one flesh? It, 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 like, is that a physical thing? No. Listen to what it says. Listen to what Tikkuni Yazora Nun Tes Beis says. itmar. And on this which it is stated, etc., she should cling to him and he should cling to her. You see, the objective in marriage is a relationship, a connection, a devacus. It's trying to form a unity, a bond between you and your husband, between you and your wife. Get aiming at a marriage such as Rav Arya Levine's, where he comes to the doctor because his wife's his wife has pain in her leg. So he comes to the doctor and he says to the doctor, the doctor says to him, What's the problem? Why are you here, Valya? So he says to him, you know why I'm here? Let me tell you why I'm here. I'm here. He's with his wife. He says, because my wife's leg is hurting us. That's called the vacus, And that's the objective of marriage. That's what Hashem is giving us a gift. And when you have that, you have basically reached the purpose, the shlemus, the dvekis of marriage, the purpose of marriage. And that, I want to tell you, is a feeling parnon. It's a connection parnon. And it's a kedusha parnon. And that's why it's called kedusha. It, it brings down a kedusha into your home when you have that bond. Now, I, I want to tell you something. Because when I said to you, I said there's one objective but two goals. What's the other goal in marriage? Is there another goal? Is there something else that I should be striving for? So here's the deal. I, I don't want to tell you you're striving for this because what you're striving for really is the objective. You really obs- you're, you're really striving for is al kenyaz of issues of dovak beishto. That's what you're striving for. Devekis dovak beishto. That's what it says in Bereshis, right? Hakadosh Baruch Hu took the Adam, took the man, which was really a, a split, and he split the man. And he created male and female. That's why Hashem did it. Now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have done many things. But the reason Hashem did this, Hashem split this human being, which was called Adam, into a male and a female. And what marriage is about is reconnecting with your other half. So much so that, you know, Sifri Kabbalah tell us that that um, that a person's wife, talking about, you know, Whoever the bashet is supposed to be, whatnot, uh, is what it's, it's as if not is if it's sort of you're reconnecting with the other half of your neshama. Did you ever hear this? It sounds like ah oh, yeah, the other half of neshama, yeah, whatever, <laughs> the other half of neshama. No, it's real. You're reconnecting with the other half of your neshama. 
and in Eilam Haba, it's going to be a bond, a connection. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's not just like talk. It's real. It's real. And even if we even if we have a case of of, of a zivuk sheni, a zivuk shlishi, or whatever it is, it doesn't make a difference. You're reconnecting, as if to say, with that other half. And and that other half is very different. That other half thinks differently, analyzes differently, appreciates differently, loves differently. It's very, very, very different. And you know what Hashem is really doing for us? He's giving us this gift of marriage. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sort of forcing us to connect to Him with this vehicle called marriage. Are you hearing me? Meaning that it's not possible to have a good marriage, to retain a good marriage, unless you connect to Hashem. Now, before you question me and, and be like, whoa, why are you combining the two? Let me explain you why I'm combining the two. Let me explain you why. Because the only way, and those of you who have good marriages out there know exactly what I'm talking about. The only way for you to have a good marriage is if you're being completely like Hashem, Kale Rachum Vichanon, Erech Apayim Rav Chesed VMS. And what does that mean, Kale Rachum Vichanon, Erech Apayim Rav Chesed VMS? That means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses Midas Harachamim with us, meaning Hashem gives us things that we don't deserve, and Hashem lets go when we really don't deserve either. And when you're wanting to have a good marriage, what's going to happen I'm telling you now, and for those of you who are newly married, maybe married for a month or two, I'm sorry to say this, but this is real. You can ask any married couple. What's going to happen is there's going to be situations where your spouse is going to annoy you. Do you hear me? Your spouse is going to annoy you. They're going to do something. They're going to say something. They're, they're, they, they promise you something. There's certain expectations. It's just going to happen. Most of the time, I'm telling you, it's not because he or she wanted to do that. These are miscommunications. These are misinterpretations. These are um, this displaced frustration that you're getting the heat, even though you don't really deserve it. It's just no one's trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but it happens. And then you have a choice. Either I engage and I fight or I let it go. And I want to tell you, every time you let it go, what you're doing is you're connecting to Hashem. Do you understand? Every time you're letting it go, what you're doing in essence, and you should have this kavanah, is a kosh I'm doing this for you. That's the kavanah should, should be. It should be Hashem, I'm doing this for you. That's kavanah number one. If you can't have that kavanah, you should also maybe, but ha- or may- exclusively have this kavanah. I'm doing it for my spouse. I don't want to get into a fight with my spouse. If you can't have that kavanah, then be selfish. Say, you know, I'm doing it for myself. But you know what? At the end of the day, in essence, what you're really doing is you're being like Hashem when you have the right kavanahs. You're letting go, and you're being exactly like Hashem. So you know, there used to be. I don't know if you. I don't know how old you are. You who are listening to me, but there used to be advertisements on the radio where they used to advertise sneakers and they used to say, you know, those who listen to news, whatever, say, oh, I want to be like Mike. What does that mean? There was this big, famous uh, athlete. I think he, yeah, right, a basketball player. Basketball player. And his name was, uh, what was his name? Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan. And the advertisement used to be, I want to be like Mike. And they, they would sell his sneakers, and people would buy his sneakers by the dozens. They would buy tons of sneakers. And they still do it today, by the way. <laughs> You're listening to me now. You're thinking this is like an old thing. It's a new, just every day, they, you know, advertisements today. What do they do? They, they get these big famous celebrities to associate themselves to sneakers, to shoes, to polo shirts, to, to, to book bags, whatever, I don't know, book bags, whatever it is. And that's how they sell, okay? It's, they're branding it. They're branding it with a celebrity. Why, why are people buying it? Why are people doing it? Well, you know, if Mike is wearing certain sneakers, and he happens to be a very good basketball player, or if somebody else who's considered very chashiv, a celebrity out there is considered very big, and they're wearing something, well, I want to be like them. So if I want to be like them, I'm going to wear what they wear. I'm going to talk like they talk. I'm going to move like they move. And I'm going to wear what they wear. Because that's how you connect to someone. That's how you connect, right? You want to connect. You're not going to schmooze with them. So that's, it's, it's a form of connection. Now, you know, Nebuch, in today's world, 
a lot of this is done in a very bad way. But this tool could be used for very good. This tool could be used for good. If somebody has, let's say, a Rosh Hashiva that he or she very much respects, Right, and a shiva dresses a certain way, acts in a certain way. Okay, I want to. I'm going to act like the Rosh Hashiva. I'm going to dress, I'm not saying dress like the Rosh Hashiva, but I'm going to act like the Rosh Hashiva. The Rosh Hashiva, you know, is not doesn't scream, doesn't get angry, doesn't have an attitude. I'm going to try to be like him. Connecting, and then you connect. You, you're close. That's by the way. This is exactly what happened with Ramavino. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> this is what happened with Ramavino. With what? Ramavino discovered a Kodesh Baruch Okay, great. Is Hashem. So now, he realizes Hashem, he wants to connect. If Hashem is the source of all good, and Hashem created us, and Hashem is everything, everything is based on Hashem, let's connect to Hashem. So what does Ramavino do? Ramavino realizes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the ultimate giver, who gives, because he gives us life, we don't deserve it, as if to say, what not, you know, we don't, Hashem gives us continuous, continuous, continuous chesed. So, Ramavino says, I want to be like Hashem. So what does Ramavino do? Ramavino, what was his biggest trait? Chesed. He opens up his tent, all four sides. He's like, you know, anybody who wants to come, come, eat, come drink, and then learn about Hashem. So much so that Ramavino, even after he got his bris milah, he still was waiting for guests. So what's this thing with the Ramavino and guests? You think Ramavino, like, oh, he's like, he's, you know, he was, he has a lot of fun bringing in guests. No, it's not having a lot of fun bringing in guests. It's he wants to connect to Hashem. And that's the way he connects to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through this Midah of Chesed. He says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Malay Chesed. He wants to be Malay Chesed. So guess what? You and me have an opportunity to connect to Hashem. We got a gift from Hashem. The gift is called marriage. The only way to reach our objective which is to connect to our wives, connect to our husband, is only through using a tool that ultimately connects us to Hashem. And what's that tool? That tool is being mavater. It's very simple. It's being mavater. Letting it go, which hopefully you do in your marriage. Because if you don't, then I can almost guarantee you, I want to say guarantee you, but I just don't have enough guts to say that. Whatever. I almost guarantee you that you do not have shalom bias in your house because you're not being mevater. You're not being like Hashem. You're not using that tool. Do you see the beauty of marriage? The beauty of marriage is that it forces us to be like Hashem in order to be successful. Let me give you a mashal in case those of you are still not getting it. So you have a billionaire. The guy has a lot of money, a lot of money, like a lot, billions of dollars. And he has, he has a son. And son goes to school and everything, and it's time for the son to go out and to work or whatever. This billionaire doesn't need his son to work. So what does he do? What he does, he gives this son, he could give the son a billion dollars and goodbye. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to give him a billion dollars. Why? Okay, number one, wants to, he wants him to become independent, a work ethic, very good. On one hand, he wants to give the billion dollars to his son because he loves his son. Like, who are you going to give it to? Who are you going to give your money to? Right? He loves his child. He wants to give his money. The billion, whatever, give him a billion dollars. Boom, he doesn't have to worry about money anymore. On the other hand, he realizes that if he just gives him a billion dollars, what's going to happen is the son, yeah, the son's going to have whatever he needs. But guess what? He's going to lose his relationship with his son. Because the son's not going to need the father anymore. There's no need for a relationship anymore when you give your son a billion dollars. That's how he feels, right? Okay, I'll come. I'll say, hi, how are you? But it's not an ongoing, you know, engaging relationship that he has with his father. So the father's like this. I'll tell you what. I'm giving you an opportunity. The opportunity like this. Either, you know, do whatever you have to do, but and I want to make you happy. I'm going to arrange a situation where, he's not saying this to him, but this is what he's thinking, where he's going to give his son a lot of money, but he wants to retain the relationship. So what he says to his son is that he, he, he's giving his child an offer to work for him. And if he works for him, he's going to give him an exorbitant amount of salary, exorbitant salary, whatever it is, $10,000 a week. Some of you that might not be exorbitant. Some of you might, might be way overboard. You know, all sorts of people in our community, Baruch Hashem, these days. I meet all sorts of people. Some people, you know, it's like, wow, you know. Some people complain they don't have money. Wow, they have so much money. Some people, 
and some people really don't have money. Um, the point of the matter is, my point, the point of my matter is, is that what? Is that he gives his son an exorbitant, says, I'll give you a salary, I'll give you $10,000 a week as a salary, but what I'm saying to you is that you're going to have to work, and you're going to work with me, and I want to tell you, it's not going to be easy. We're going to have a lot of trials and tribulations. We're going to work. You're going to see the business. Sometimes the business has lows, and there are, there are, we might have to fly to China and this and that. And the son says, no problem, Abba. No problem, Tati. I want to work with you. Let's work together. I'm not saying it's always best to work with your father, but what I am saying is that this is the marshal. Okay, fine. Now, guess what just happened over here? What happens is the son is very excited, and he's good. And, he's, and he commits, because the whole idea was commit. So he commits. So he commits. And he starts working, and it's wonderful in the beginning. But then all of a sudden it gets hard, and there are all sorts of trials and tribulations. Then he has, says, oh, boy, I don't know what I'm doing. My, my father gave me this position in the, in the company, but I'm having a problem. And I have to speak to my father. So he goes to his father, and he asks his father, what should we do? And together they work through this. And what happens is it's they're forced, as if to say, to develop a, a relationship together. This is what's happening with HaKadosh Baruch. HaKadosh Baruch give, could give us everything and anything. So Hashem could have give us, given us a wife, a husband, that would be a great, be, they'd be similar, we could think the same way, do the same way, everything would be the same. But no, HaKadosh Baruch creates us completely differently. Completely. Completely. Our brains are differently. Our brains are differently. Look it up. We, it, it's wired differently. I don't know the wires, but it's definitely different. So, we think, feel, perceive everything different. So now, we want to have a good relationship with our wives. We want to have a good relationship with our husbands. But it, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard. Like, uh, he, he annoys me all the time. She annoys me all the time. Or he criticizes me. She criticizes me. This is very hard. And the only way to be successful is what? Is to be like Hashem. It's to be mavater. And that's what it is. And that koach of being mavater brings us not only the devakist which we're trying, the ultimate devake is the bond between, between husband and wife because we're just letting things go and then we connect when we can connect. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying that the formula of marriage only being mevater. I don't want you to think that I'm saying that. Some people hear these shows and they're like, oh, actually, you're saying that. I'm not saying it's all mevater. I never said that and I'm not saying that. But what I am telling you is that's a very, very, very big piece to be mevata. And without that, you cannot have a successful marriage. And through that, you connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You hear? Through that, you connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you bring yourself bracha. Because I don't know what the, you know, what the purpose. The purpose to connect to Hashem, the ultimate purpose is, you know, it says in the Perky Elvis, whatever, we want to connect to Hashem because we just want to connect. But not everybody's holding that level, right? Almost of us want to connect. Okay, we want things. We want shalom in our houses. We want bracha in our houses, whether it's parnasa, whether it's health. Kids are starting a new year in school for those of you who have kids. Some of the kids are having a problem in school. There's a lot going on. We need a lot of bracha. Well, you know how we get that bracha? Through marriage. You hear me? Through marriage. Through, the, through aiming to connect to our wives, aiming to connect to our husband. And the only way to do it is to be mevata. And if we be mevata, we bring bracha to our house. And here we are, right before Imam Naram. And what do you think is more important than this? Because I don't know. You, you, why don't you call me and tell me what you think is more important than what I'm talking about right now? In the time of Elul. In the, to be mechazik yourself, right? So, here. Let, let's, let's just, let's just run, run through a couple of things here. Give me a second here. Okay, like this. Where is that what I'm looking for here? I can't even find it. Can't even find it. Give me a second here. Okay. So, so, so for those of you who are still not like connecting to what I'm talking about today, I, I want you to hear this, this remarkable story that's brought down in Gemara Tainus, Chafhei Amid Beis, of two great Tanoim, of, of a story that happened during a drought. Now, you know, those of you who are tuned in to what's going on these days, th- there's terrible, terrible, terrible destruction going on today, right now, in, uh, in America. In, 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 in a, in the four, I think it's the third or fourth largest city in America, Houston, Texas, okay? Now, you might know about this, not know about this, but what you don't know is that there are millions of people who are affected, and among those millions of people are Yidin. A lot of Yidin. There are a lot of Yidin who live in Houston. 
a lot of Yidin, really. And they're having a lot of collections from, um, for, for different items, etc., etc., etc. Tremendous, tremendous tragedy that's going on in Houston. People are losing their homes. Everything is being flooded. It's terrible, terrible, terrible what's happening to everybody over there. It's really terrible. So, you know, it used to be, this is the way it is when, when unfortunately, there's too much rain. It's too much rain. It's not Gishmei Bracha. It's way too much rain. It's not good. And, and you know, there's a reason Akadosh Baruch Hu did it. Now, there's also a reason Akadosh Baruch Hu sometimes withholds rain from, 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 uh, from people. And this story actually happened in Gemara Tainas, Chafeyamud Beis. It happened during a drought. That means there was, there was no rain. So what happens is, there's a drought. So Rabbi Eliezer goes before the Aron Kodesh, and he's dami to Hashem, and he recites 24 brachas, and he's not answered. Now we're talking here about, about Tanoim. You know, <laughs> these are people who, just for you to understand what we're talking about, who have the koyach to be mechayim mesim, okay? So we're not talking about eh, a rabbi. We're talking about Tanoim. We're talking about Tanoim, okay? Rabbi Akiva then goes after him, and, and Rabbi Akiva says, Avinu Malkeinu, Avinu Malkeinu, Eilanu Melech Ela'ata. We have no king other than you. Immediately starts raining. So what happens is, unfortunately, some people start, rabbis, I don't know, rabbis, people start speaking negatively, negatively about Rabbi Eliezer. Look what happened. Rabbi Akiva Davins, we get rain. Eliezer has 24 brachas and nothing, and nothing happens. So what happens? A baskal, a heavenly voice emerges and says, it's not because this one is greater than the other one. No, no, it's not what happens. That's not why this, this one was answered, the other one wasn't answered. But what, is it, what does the baskal say? Baskal says, it's but because this one is ma'avir al midaisav and this one is not ma'avir al midaisav. This one forgoes on his character, and this one is not forgoing on his character. Now, in case you're still not convinced of the power of being mevater, letting go, which you have an opportunity today with your husbands, with your wives, because the Nisyonos are going to be there, okay? You just had an Nisyonos yesterday, I'm sure. There's a Gemara Rosh Hashanah that says, Rav says, anyone who's mavir al anybody who forgoes on his sins, um... The Gemara continues with a shocking, shocking story. Rav Huna, the son of Yeshua, was once very sick. Rav Papa went to 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 inquire about him, and he sees that he's still very sick, and he and he tells the people people there, he says, make make ready provisions for his journey, because it seems like this person Nebuch was going to pass away. Eventually, what happens is Baruch Hashem he recovers. Rav Papa felt ashamed to see him. Right, he just felt ashamed. He said to him, "He said to him, what did you see in your illness?" So he replied, "It was indeed as you thought. That what, that you know, whatever should have happened." But Akash who said to them, "Because he is mavir al midaisa, before goes his character. Do not be severe with him." Rabbi Yaman Zimmerman asks the following question. He says, "What's the power of being mavir al midaisa? Of all Rav Huna's great qualities, we're talking about Rav Huna over here, okay?" We're talking about, you know, we don't have no idea how big these people were. Rav Huna, okay? The Gemara. All Rav Huna's things. Is this what saves him from death? This quality that allows one clemency for all one's sins? But why? So Rav Zimmerman explained the most basic understanding dovetails with the use of the term Mida, which we recognize well from the concept of Mida Keneged Mida, measure for measure, tit for tat. Hashem acts with us, right, in a way which reflects the way which man acts with others. One, if not the way that Kaddish acts with us. Mida connected Mida. To Hillam it says, right, Hashem is your shadow on your right hand. Therefore, we have to be very careful with the way that we treat others when others upset us and annoy us and what they're doing is not fair. It's not fair. This happens in your home. That's where it happens, in your home. What you just did was not fair. You promised me. You told me. You didn't come on time. You should have given me. How come you didn't learn with the kids? How come you're not whatever it is? It's not fair. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Here we are, Yom Narayim, right before Rosh Hashanah. What bigger bracha 
is there for Yamadin? Okay. So like this. Now, being mevater is very easy. It's very easy to say, be mevater, to talk about it right now in front of you. Be mevater, let it go. Okay. So first of all, we have to understand how really hard it is. It's very, very hard. Why? Because when we feel slighted, we're naturally programmed with an incredible urge to seek midas adin, to seek justice, whether that means to make things fair or to tell, to tell the person that we should, we should get our apology. We possess a natural urge to balance the equilibrium, okay? Actually, there's uh, this actually, this is not, I'm not making this up. You know, you can take a look, the very famous um, psychiatrist, I believe she is, Dr. Nancy Pelosi, says that tit for tat is a natural human preference. The way she states, she says, like, a quid pro quo is too easily escalated into quid must quo. The, the, you know, those who are busy measuring tit for tat eventually, eventually get weighed down by their accounting. End quote. Listen, it's not easy. It's not easy because you're not being fair. It's not being fair. You're being disgusting to me. You want me just to let it go? You just want me to feel hurt and let it go? It's not fair. It's not fair, right? And the bigger challenge of being Mavata is that when the attack threatens our our, our, our attachment. You see, it's one thing if the bus driver gets upset at us. It's one thing if, you know, you, you're at work and you're speaking to someone on the phone and he's being disgusting to you. Okay, he gets upset. But my husband, my wife, that's very hurtful. The last person I would think that would talk to me that way. The last person that I would feel doesn't care about me. Or the, the, the one person that I would hope would care about me is my wife, is my husband. That, that, no, that's, that's very, very difficult subconsciously, right? Very, 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 very difficult. So summing it up, being mavater is not always easy, especially in a marriage. However, we've seen it's an incredible tool for bracha in your house. And, and by the way, it, it, it really is a truly a prerequisite for a successful marriage. So what do you do? The question is, what do you do? How to be mavater? How should I be mevater? So the truth is, and you know, now we're talking about the 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 formula for marriage, right? So you know, I I, I always like saying PFN. P is prevention, or you could use the P as you know as providing your spouse with their primary needs. It's really the same thing. When I say P, you can either label it as providing your spouse with primary needs, or you could say it's prevention. An ounce of prevention is worth, is worth a pound of gold. That what? That you sort of bulletproof your marriage, meaning if you feel loved from your husband with a lot of other things, it's not going to bother you so much that he comes late. If you feel loved from your wife, with the fact that she takes you seriously about cleaning the house, if that's important for you, or she takes you seriously about um, whatever is important for you, gentlemen, and she does it for you, so you're going to feel close to her. So when she does something that hurts your feelings, it's not going to bother you so much. So you see, that what's, what's going to happen is, ultimately, is that you're going to sort of be so try to make yourself as bulletproof as possible to the hurt, so the nisoyon won't be as great. Now, you'll be able to be mevater much more easily. It won't be so hard for you to be mevater, and the way for you to do that is to provide your spouse with their primary needs. That's what I'm saying. If you provide them, they'll provide you. Don't think about how they have to provide you. Everybody's thinking about the other one. He should do this for me. She should do that for me. Let's first think about ourselves. If we think about ourselves, what's going to happen is it'll make it easier for your spouse to provide you with their primary needs when they're provided. But it's not fair, Rabbi Greenfield. They don't deserve it. What do they do? They don't do anything. They don't, God, I'm being really mean here. But you know what? That's, that in itself is being mevater. <laughs> See, the, the providing is also mevater, not just the letting it go when you're being screamed at. The providing when he doesn't deserve it is also being mevater. Okay. And then the next point is is be pre- prepared with a protocol. And I want to tell you, the most important protocol, and this is not a class of being Mavata and exactly how to do it. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. But, but I, I want to tell you like this. I want to remind you, because these things need constant reminders. Constant, constant reminder. The most important protocol when you are feeling slighted or hurt or attacked or 
just insulted by your husband or your wife and you feel that he doesn't care about you, she doesn't care about you, what's the most important first step? The first step, I'm asking you, listen to my shows, what's the first step? Most important first step when you feel insulted, slighted, criticized. What's the first step? The first step. What do you do? First step, first step, first step. What did you say? Scream back at him. The most important first step, if you said this, you got it right, and that is give yourself time. Give yourself time. That's your best friend. Time is your best friend. Because when you feel insulted and slighted and criticized by your husband, automatically, I'm telling you, the way you're psychologically wired is to fight or flight. And you're going to put up your dukes and you're going to get ready to fight. You want to give it back to him. You want to give it back to her. You want to show him how it's not fair what he did. You want to show her how it's not fair. And in your mind, she is guilty as sin. And in, and, and in your mind, he is guilty as sin. Because he's disgusting. He clearly doesn't care about me. She clearly doesn't care about me. Why should I care about him? I'm telling you, give yourself time. Give yourself time and you're going to see. That's your, if you don't want to listen to me because you think it's not going to make a difference, then you know what? Listen, just do it anyways. <laughs> Have laughing. Do it because it doesn't make sense. But just do it and you're going to see. It, you're going to calm down. And if it's something that's so, 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 so important, I'm talking about the 5% of times or maybe even the 3% of times that we actually have to negotiate, you'll negotiate later. But if you negotiate now, it's going to become a fight. It's not going to be a negotiation. It's going to become a really big, fat fight. Those fights that you have in your home. You don't have them, other people, right? You don't want to fight. You want to prevent the fight? Give yourself time. You see, it's going to be your best friend. And during that time, think of what you need. If you're hungry, eat. If you're tired, sleep. Maybe talk about it tomorrow. If there's something else, right? If you're stressed about something, de-stress. If you see your husband is hungry, feed him. Don't tell him you're a bear, you have your hats on. Don't do that. But let him eat. He'll calm down. And slowly but surely, you'll be able to be mevater. Because there's a method to it. There's skills that we're talking about today. You're not just saying, oh, okay, I'll be mevater. Because that's not possible for some of you. Some of you, exceptional cases, and for those of you listening to me right now, don't think in your mind, oh, yeah, if my husband would have been like that, if my wife would have been like that. I'm telling you, these are exceptional, exceptional cases. One, I would say one in a million. Even these cases, you should know, they have, they have problems of their own. I'm going to tell you soon what I'm talking about where it's just easier to be mevat. It doesn't hurt you so much. It doesn't like, bother you so much when your spouse is being critical or attacking or whatever it is. I'm talking about those people who are so insensitive. You know, there's like that sensitivity dial I speak about, right? So like <clears throat> I say the zero to the three people who they don't care. They're, nothing bothers them. And you have like, you know, the, 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 three to, the three or the four to sevens, which are in normal range. Then you have like the seven to tens, which are very high sensitive, you know, feeling hurt all the time, feeling attacked all the time, getting into fights all the time. Right, the higher the dial, some of them actually are, are borderline or might be in a category of a mental illness, uh, anxiety disorders, etc. No one's full. This is the way it is, the way the person is, right? So, but yeah, you might have those really low sensitive people. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, I should have married one of those, right? Chas you're thinking of like that. First of all, just to think like that, I should have married someone like that, it's such a ridiculous thought. Because everything's in Makadosh Baruch Hu, right? And we're talking about Vekas, we're talking about reconnecting with the Neshama, we're talking about things. You know, and even for 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 zivugim shneim, zivugim shlishim, it's all from a kaddish baruch hu. Yeah, it's all from a kaddish baruch hu. You know that's true. So, so what I'm saying is, those low sensitive people, <coughs> they're low sensitive. They don't care. You know, they don't care about being hurt, but they don't care about other things also. These are people who are many of them are lazy. <coughs> they're not go getters. They're not doing anything. Some of them are not getting jobs. Some of them. We'll go for job interviews, but they're just, they're just not interested. They don't have that motivation at all, right? And they're also not necessarily providing their wives or their husbands with their primary needs, meaning they're, they're inactive. So inactive works well because I don't care what you say, but inactive doesn't work, doesn't work well because I'm not, okay, well, you know, you know, marriage has primary needs, attention, appreciation, affection. So there is no perfect midah, and I hope you realize that, by the way. There's no perfect midah. Don't think, oh, my husband has this midah. My, my, my wife has this midah. If she would only be this way, if she'd only be that way. I want to tell you, if she would only be that way, you would have other problems. Chas v'shalom. Chas v'shalom. So this is the pekel. But I want to tell you, I actually don't like the word, using the word pekel. Pekel. Pekel sounds like it's a bad thing. Uh, pekel. This is the opportunity that Hashem is giving you to connect to your spouse 
which forces you to connect to Hashem. And ultimately, your success both ways, because you're succeeding. You're succeeding in connecting to your spouse, and you know when that's done, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, it's an incredible, incredible result all over. Everybody gains, because you're bringing Kedusha into your home, so you gain because you feel connected. Your children, if you have children, gain because there's Shalom in the house, and everybody gains, and they only bring Baruch at the house, and Mitzvah Hashem, right? And in addition, which might even be the, the first reason, but is what? is you're connecting to Hashem. You're connecting to Kodesh because you have to connect to Hashem. You cannot. It is not possible in this world to have a successful marriage unless you're being like Hashem. And, and those of you who are thinking, oh, I mean, but there are non-Jews who don't necessarily even know about Hashem and they have good marriages, right? So first of all, when you tell me that, I just want to tell you one thing, and that is, do you know the divorce rate out there? Do you know it's, it's hovering around 50%? Do you think the rest, everybody else is having this most unbelievable, great, super-duper marriage? Wrong. You're wrong. The other 50% you think I will have great marriages? Wrong. It's exceptional today to have a good marriage. Exceptional. I actually met someone at the bank the other day, and he was telling me, I'm married for 25 years, and you should know, you could be very, very proud of me. This is what he says to me. Yeah. He says to me, and I never stepped out of the marriage. I'm like, what? What? What are you talking about? So the point of the matter is that I'm not saying there are, yeah, there are, there are non-Jews who have good marriages. I'm not saying any, any human being could have a good marriage. Doesn't you don't have to be Jewish to have a good marriage? You can have a good marriage, but listen to me before you get upset. Listen to me. But you have to be like Hashem. You might even be realizing it, but you're really being like Hashem because you have to be a mavat. You have to let things go. Just let let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. And if you let it go, what's going to happen is. Ultimately, you're creating a bond. Ultimately, you're bringing Kedusha. And ultimately, you're connecting to Hashem. So what more do you need than that? Thank you for listening. If you are listening to me today, this is a new season. It would be nice if you drop a word at my text. I have no idea how many people listening now because it's after the summer. App, the phone, the lines. It would all be nice. So, 917-397-2841. 917-397-2841. You can text me. Have an amazing, connecting, inspiring, mevater-filled, not challenging, but mevater-filled, bracha-filled, kedusha-filled, devekis-filled week cult of. Thank you for listening.